with Mr. Josh Wilson, and of course, Josh is the resident transmission guru at Agco Automotive. If you got any kind of transmission question, today is the day to call. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, man, just great, beautiful weather out. Very, very good weather. About, what, 41, 42 degrees? I didn't check. I think it's going up to about 60 <laughs> today. So just a little jab at all those folks up north who listen to us. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, it's cold down here. That's right. It's 40. That's right. You know, really, even at 40 degrees, which is not considered cold by most of the folks around the country, kind of chilly for us but even at 41 degrees you start to see an elevation in the number of transmission problems that you might see in warmer weather that's right the cold weather will bring on a few more it'll make the problems more noticeable too. right that doesn't necessarily produce the problem but it no, definitely it's, reveals it's a the problem, problem that was there i know we're doing dodge truck right now that similar situation come up on him as where it just started slipping because the seals were getting hard and as the temperature gets colder the seals just shrink and become more rigid with the temperature and as it warms up the seals will soften up and will seal off and hold the oil better right so yeah definitely a lot more noticeable the colder it gets and even if you were to travel up north and really hit that below 20 degree mark mm-hmm. i mean that the problems would just be that much more right exponentially worse what it is i think you've got a pending transmission problem the cold doesn't actually produce the problem it just reveals it correct makes it far more noticeable it makes the symptoms more noticeable correct thinking back some of the situations that we have had in the shop where the transmission would have a problem at a certain temperature well we might get a chance to diagnose that two or three times a year right and that's it it's done until next year (laughs) yeah yeah and i guess if the symptoms all go away in the summer then you could actually keep driving the car until the problems start to manifest eventually the transmission is going to fail but we don't know when that's going to be it's not always seals sometimes it can be the actual valves in the valve body a little bit of drag on it Mm -hmm. will get worse the colder it is mm-hmm. as it warms up they'll get a little bit looser we had that with a honda at one time and it was it was really difficult to track it down because we had to wait for say about 25 30 degree mornings to, right which is to very rare in it. south louisiana yeah. yes <laughs> so that could take a year or more to actually diagnose because once the temperature goes you, up the problem yeah actually you just got to get the car with your gauges on it when the temperature's right mm-hmm. as soon as it hits warms up that valve started moving a lot better and it shifted perfect Mm -hmm. but valves controlling the timing of the shifts it's not always one applying sometimes it's the previous gear having to release Mm -hmm. in perfect synchronization with the next one applying that's right to give you that smooth shift Hey, we're talking about automatic transmissions, but we will take a call on anything else you might have. Any questions you got, just give us a call. It's 291-6901. We'd love to hear from you. You made a good point, Josh, and I think a lot of folks are sort of, I guess, maybe a little confused about the way an automatic transmission works. When they think of shifting gears, some folks think of gears moving and engaging and, and disengaging and all that, and that's not technically what happens in most transmissions. More of them have some sort of a planetary assembly with maybe a big ring gear with little gears inside that go around inside of it. And stopping the big gear will produce one speed. Releasing it may produce a second speed. That's right. And there are so many different 
one set of rules is not going to apply to That's every right. transmission. I mean, there's so many different ones, but your most common ones that are now actually starting to go away, your overdrives, mm-hmm. you know, you generally had, it would take off in first, then you would add second. And then most of them would release second and add third. Okay. And then you would release those and switch over to fourth Mm -hmm. or overdrive. Nowadays, your six-speed transmissions, almost everything is one or two is applied and one or two are releasing at the same time. Okay. All of the clutch-to-clutch shifting, the timing and the synchronization has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to get slips or bumps. And that is just extremely, any little valve dragging, valve going too slow, mm-hmm. any seal not sealing off perfectly will create a noticeable shift concern. Concern. Mm-hmm. Whereas the older ones, especially first to second, if you're just adding a set of clutches, it's mm-hmm. not nearly as much to, to go wrong or to to make any kind of change in the way that it feels mm-hmm. because you're not releasing at the same time that you're applying. And that's why... Transmission service, a proper service, is so important on the newer transmissions because just a tiny, tiny bit of debris can interfere with all of that. Yes, proper service. And also, the you may have to do a relearn when you service mm-hmm. it. Even if you get air into that system, it will change the way that shift applies. Then that computer is going to see that, and right. it's going to try and adapt for it. So then you're going to have, after the air purges out, then you're going to have a hard shift. So you not too uncommon to have to go back and relearn the shift adapts after a service yeah there you go hold on we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about that and everything else but first we're going to go to our phone lines we got alex online good morning alex good morning how y'all doing, doing great morning. sir got a question for you you bet i have a 2006 ford f-250 mm-hmm. i have eighty-eight thousand miles on it i bought it used with about sixty thousand miles on it mm-hmm. i've never personally service the transmission okay would you suggest having it serviced with this many miles on it right now absolutely that's one of the old wives tales i guess that tends to persist in the automotive business and that is if i haven't serviced my transmission a long time don't service it and that makes about as much sense well i hadn't brushed my teeth in a while so i'm not gonna ever brush them again (laughs) you know it just doesn't make any sense at all where that comes from is in the past, at some point in time, someone probably never serviced their transmission, had a transmission issue, went in, had a service, and it failed a month later or two weeks later. And, oh, if I wouldn't have had that. But, no, it, it wasn't the service that caused it. It was the lack of service for 200,000 miles that, that killed the transmission. So a proper service can never, ever, ever hurt a transmission and may very well buy you some time. I'm going to let Josh tell you a little bit more about it. Yeah, like we were just going over with the shift adapts. Somebody gets their transmission serviced, and now it's shifting funny. Well, I should have never touched it. Well, that's not the case. It should have been done properly, and if if it needed a relearn procedure done, then that should have been done also. Then that's kind of where all of that originated, the same type deal. It was always real common for somebody to install the wrong filter or to cut the seal on the filter when they were putting the filter in right improper service that's right correct and which uh, will produce a problem and just, would, just, just like suggest- not servicing it at all would produce a problem right would you, would you suggest a flush no absolutely not no never no a flush does absolutely nothing but make the shop a lot of money what you're doing with a flush you're not changing anywhere close to 100 percent of the fluid like they say in fact you're actually getting less fluid replaced than you do with a drop the pan and do a proper service type service really yes if you think about it the way a transmission works 
it's not like a linear flow from the pump out to the cool lines and back to transmission. The pump comes up and it branches off into four or five different circuits. The biggest one is the pressure regulator because the pump can produce a lot more pressure than the transmission needs. Most of the fluid is just pumping into a circle and dumping back into the pan all the time. Another one goes out to the torque converter. Another one goes out to the valve bodies. Another one goes out to maybe the clutches. Another one goes out to the cooler lines. Well, they're interrupting one of those lines. They're taking that fluid out, dumping clean fluid back into a pan full of dirty fluid, and just keep cycling it. So if you ran 12 quarts fluid through, you probably only actually changed maybe four quarts. Because what you do, you're taking a lot of clean fluid back out, and a lot of circuits are not getting filtered at all. With a proper service, you drop the pan, you're going to get four, five, six quarts, however many is in the pan out. So you're getting more of the fluid out, plus you're changing the filter, which is the actual problem. The fluid is less of a problem than the actual filter is. Because if a filter restricts, you're going to burn the transmission up. So you always do a proper service, not a flush. Flush does nothing more than allows a C-Tech to act like he's doing something and makes the shop a bunch of money. A bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. Man, I, look, I appreciate it, fellas. Y'all, y'all helped me out a lot. Well, good deal, Alex. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right, 291 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we would love to have you. And we've got Richard online. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, sir. I got a dumb question. I'm fixing to pull a harmonic balancer off of a 07 Chevrolet 60 engine. Okay. Is that boat right-hand thread or left-hand thread? It's a regular boat. Just regular, regular, regular boat. boat. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of tight, I didn't want to ring it off. They are pretty tight. I forgot what the torque spec is, but it's probably over 100 foot-pounds. So, yeah, they are pretty tight. And the biggest problem that I've had with them is if you don't have, it's like an impact wrench to spin the bolt out, is the whole crankshaft wants to turn. And it's the devil to try to hold that crankshaft still because it's not like the old days where you could grab something and really hold it still. Yeah, we got an impact wrench. But thank you, sir. You saved me a lot of heartache. (laughs) All right, Richard. Thanks for calling, man. I two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. And we're talking, Mister Josh Wilson, about automatic transmission. But we will take any call you might have. You just give us a call. Travel my way, take the highway. That's the best. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the Know It All Cajun. Hey, caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good-looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand. We've got our special guest, Mr. Josh Wilson, the automatic transmission guru from Agco. And if you have an automatic transmission question, today is the perfect day to call in because Josh can get you a complete answer. If you got a question or anything else, you give us a call. Handle that just as well. That's right. And if you don't get your questions in today, you can always send Lewis an email. That's right. Through the agcoauto.com. Right. Just A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. You go on there, hit the contact button, send me an email. I'll get a personalized answer right back to you. Normally within a few hours. On the weekends, it might be a little longer. Never more than 24 hours. (laughs) That's right. Real quick response on that. That's right. 
Yeah, we were talking services, and the gentleman called with the Ford truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, improper services. I grew up in the transmission shop. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been seeing this since 12 years old. That's right. Wrong filters. There's four-wheel drive filters, two-wheel drive filters. You may not get the right depth right. pickup to. Well, like a 4L60E has, what, five filters? Five or six different filters, yeah. yeah. And they all will fit. They just want to work. Them fit, yeah. yeah, you can make them fit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen a four wheel drive one in an old old Ford going. This is going way back, but there was a rubber seal, and you would put the pickup tube into the filter, mm-hmm. and somebody had put the four wheel drive filter in, and that rubber seal sealed right off on the bottom of the pan. Mm-hmm. And a couple of miles, it was just totally burnt. Yeah, just no fluid pressure, so it was slipping. And yeah, couldn't get any fluid. I mean, it didn't take him long to leave that shop and completely burn the transmission up. Right. So an improper service. And there are a number of other ways to improperly service a transmission. And I'm not talking about necessarily a do-it-yourself. There are shops that could do these things. Absolutely. So you want to be careful that you do get someone who's an expert at transmission. That's right. There's just so many variations to each one. It's not anything that somebody new to it is going to know somebody who occasionally looks at something like this that's right i know just from past experience if i pull the pan off if that's the right or the wrong filter on there Mm -hmm. you may be doing the second or third service on a car somebody else put a wrong filter on and you match it up and you replace it with the wrong filter that's right just go back with the wrong filter again which just makes the problem even worse of course another thing is the wrong fluid there are just basically dozens of different types of fluid Tons on the market different, today. yeah even within each car manufacturer right ford must have what five six different fluids that's right i think the the collar with the ford truck the 06 i mean that depending on which one it is that could be mercon 5 mm-hmm. it could be mercon sp right mercon lv right I mean, there's probably three different ones that and they're all called mercon but they're different mercons correct mercon is basically ford's brand name that's, that's for transmission fluids correct and then they'll have a designation of what friction package is in that fluid. But all extremely important to get the right fluid back in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking with the flush machines, all the flush machines generally are just going to have one kind of fluid in there and to be hooked up to 20 different cars. Well, yeah, if you've got a flushing machine that holds, I don't know how much fluid to hold, four, five, six gallons of fluid, and you do a general motors car which takes dextron three and the machine's full of dextron three because that's probably the least expensive fluid out there right then a guy comes in with a honda they may not want to empty the whole machine out put a whole to add honda fluid at five or six bucks a car eight or nine dollars a quart that's right so they may just run dex three through a honda which is totally wrong or be it a chrysler or ford or anything else it just goes on and on and on from there right it just gets worse and worse because the kinds of shops that use those types of methods are also likely the kind of shop that hasn't kept up on the technology is not going to as likely do a proper that's right and then keeping up on technology the things that most transmissions have added is little thermostats Mm -hmm. so that they will not send oil to the cooler until the transmission gets to a certain temperature right well that's where the flush machines hook up is that up at the radiator so Mm -hmm. they may be hooking up there but the if they don't have a heated flush machine that's going to bring that temperature up to 120 130 degrees right as soon as that cold air hits the thermostat it's going to cut off the cooler lines and you're right. not you're well not they're flushing. just pumping fluid around the side of the radiator tank that's right they're not flushing transmission at all they're just changing out the fluid in the radiator yeah so we're going back to our phone lines of bruce good morning bruce good morning yes sir how's it going doing very great, good sir got a question about transmission filters okay 
Is there any aftermarket filter that would you'd recommend for a GM transmission? The company that makes the filter for General Motors is called FilterTech. That's F-I-L-T-E-R-T-E-K. FilterTech is made in Mexico. So you're going to get a made-in-Mexico stamp on it. Well, that's nice. Uh, well, that's the good one. <laughs> that's the good one. Oh, okay. <laughs> they go down from there. Yeah, they go. Yeah, but yeah, you can get aftermarket filters that are good. You just have to kind of be a little careful and know what you're looking for. That's right. Well, I just did. I don't know what I'm looking for. But one other question. Buying one from a dealer, mm-hmm. would you be better off giving them the VIN number and let them look it up? Absolutely. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I don't even give them, I don't even tell them what kind of truck it is. If you walk into a dealership's parts department, you got to remember some of those guys are a little bit on the lazy side. And what they're going to do is you tell them, I've got a 2007 model Chevy 1500 Silverado with a 5.3. Wham, that number pops up in the head. They go grab a filter and hand it to you. They don't even look it up. If you walk in there and say VIN number 2285-6625, and you don't tell them anything else, now they got to look it up because they don't know what you're working on otherwise. They say, what kind of truck? You tell me what kind of truck. You know? All right. Well, thank you got to kind of force their hand in some cases because I've seen a lot of them, particularly the ones who have been there a long time, they just they know a lot of part numbers in their head. But they may know the wrong one. They may be thinking the wrong one. They may not know the options on your truck. Well, they and can't know them all. They anyway. cannot. Absolutely. <laughs> particularly Chevrolet uses so many different options. I know just the brake pads on a 2007 Chevy pickup, they might be six sets of brake pads that will fit that one truck. Without the VIN number, you are not going to get the right one. So what I do is walk in, only give them the VIN number. Do not tell them what kind of truck it is. And just sit there and, and look at them until they – and if they ask you what kind of truck it is, you say, you tell me. That's right. Because they got all that information right there. The last eight eight digits of the VIN number is going to bring the vehicle up. All righty. Well, thank you. All right, Miss Bruce. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we're going back to our phone lines with Daly. Good morning, Daly. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. I have a 2011 hybrid Sonoma, uh-huh. and it's an automatic transmission, of course, but mm-hmm. I was wondering about the servicing on it. I got 66,000 miles for the transmission service. Is that necessary or needed or past due or what? I like to do them around 50,000 just to be safe. Some people might call that overkill, but when you consider <clears throat> a transmission can cost anywhere from a low of about 2500 up to a high of $6,000, and a service is probably less than $200 and maybe even a lot less depending on what kind of transmission it is, it just doesn't make sense. If you service your transmission every day, it doesn't mean you will never have a problem. It just increases the odds of not having a problem considerably. If a solenoid burns out in the transmission, it's going down no matter what. If you service it or if you don't service it. If a part physically breaks, it's going down. But what service does, it greatly, greatly decreases the odds of a lubrication-related problem, which is most of the problems that you have. Also, it's going to improve shift timing. It's going to keep your seals pliable. That's right. That's where it would start to break down. Like we were talking earlier about keeping the valves getting just a little bit of a drag on the valves, keeping everything very, very clean, keep the seals pliable. See, your new fluid is going to have seal conditioner in it. You don't want to add any external seal conditioner. You just want what's in the fluid. And that conditioner breaks down over time, so that's where your services come in. It's- is that a transmission that you could service at your um, shop? Yeah, sure. We can do anything. All right. I just have to see which one it is. They use so many different transmissions, and a lot of them now are CVTs. They're not actually what you would call a transmission per se. I believe uh, this one is a hybrid? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. 
Yeah. You just have to see which transmission is in it. Most of them have a filter that you can actually replace. Some of them do not. You have to do what they call a double drain and fill, and that's where you drain the fluid out, crank it up, run it about 20 minutes, come back, drain it again. And that's the only way to service them because the filter is built inside the transmission. You have to tear the transmission down to change it. But on those, it's actually more important to do a more frequent because if the filter does get restricted, you're inside the transmission. So well, a, du- the, a double drain and fill kind of cleans it out. Well, what's the ballpark figure to do that service? Well, I mean, it's somewhere under $200, but I'd have to see which transmission it is because it depends. A lot of them, the fluid is $6 a quart. Some of them is $25 a quart. You just got to see which transmission it was using that vehicle, how much it holds, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I got a message from the dealership saying that I should have it serviced, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they quoted me a price almost $300. Yeah, uh, well, everybody's got their own pricing structure, but you just have to see the transmission. It depends well, on what's in there. Could I ask, uh, you probably gave it, but I just tuned in a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. what your location is? I'll tell you what, go to my website. It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com, and that'll tell you everything you want to know about us. To ask you a question, we're on Corsi Boulevard. All right. <laughs> All right. All right, Thank sir. you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks, Colin. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. One more quick little break, and we will be right back with more talking about automatic transmissions, but we will take a question on anything you might have. 291-6901. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Josh Wilson, the transmission expert from Agco Automotive. And between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. We sure appreciate you sitting part of your Saturday morning with us. Give us a call. It's 291-6901. You know, Josh, just before we got the calls and the break and what have you, we were talking about transmission services and all. I think we covered that pretty well. Yeah, I think we just about got the, the gist of it. Just to kind of recap, right filters, right filter seals, right installed fluid. properly, the right fluid, and just somebody who's in that industry that knows what they're looking at. Because right. we may be able to see small Pending repairable problems, problems mm-hmm. that, that we can head off. Well, one thing that comes to my mind is a small leak that can be fixed for very little cost, maybe while you got the pan off. Let's say a shift lever seal that's, that's leaking. Right. And while you've got the pan off doing the service, you can replace that seal at very low cost, as opposed to having to come back when it gets worse and drop all that back out again. That's right. You want to do anything that the labor is going to double, you're duplicating the same labor Mm -hmm. at the time of the service. And somebody who drives it to know what shift concerns to look for. Mm -hmm. How much metal in the pan is normal? That's right. I mean, you may be on the verge of debating whether or not you want to get another car get rid of this car Mm -hmm. and if you brought it in for a service that's 
I could say, hey, it looks clean. There's no signs of anything going on. Or I could say, hey, there's there's more metal in here than should be. Right, definitely a pending so problem. if you're wanting to get rid of this card, now is the time to do it while it's working, while you can sell right. it. Well, two other instances that occur to me. Number one would be just before you go out of warranty with your car is an excellent time to bring it in for service. I know we had a Toyota come in one time, Tundra, I think it was. We That's dropped right. the pan and found a huge amount of metal in the pan. He That's was right. almost out of warranty. We sent him back. He got a new transmission. That's now, that right. would not have failed until he was pretty well out of warranty, but he was able to get that covered. The second is when you're going on a trip. Let's say you're going out of state, taking a long vacation. I remember the classic example is my car. <laughs> yeah. Dropped the pan and found it was a washer in yeah, your car. That's right. Half, in the pan, uh, half a snap ring and a washer laying in the pan. And, I mean, we were heading up to Virginia. We would have been a couple yeah. thousand miles away from home when this thing would have failed or possibly would have failed. So we were able to head that problem off just by having the service. And that's one of those things you just would not have known about had you not done a proper service. That's right. Or just done a flush where nobody even looks inside the pan. That's right. Or just maybe not even somebody who knows that that's a problem to be looking for. Right. Something that we do is we like to cut the filter open and Mm -hmm. look inside the filter. Well, that's where you're doing like a little autopsy. So you're going to see things that you're not going to see. Most of the debris is going to be inside the filter. That's right. Because the filter is designed, I've heard you say, more or less like a sock where the fluid flows in, is trapped inside the filter, and it flows out through there to go to the transmission. So you can't just look at the filter and see the debris. It's actually inside of it. Correct. And all of that is just comes with somebody who's experienced and knows what to look for, knows what common failures match what vehicle. Right. Another thing, I know we have had one transmission drop the pan, and I look at it and I say, wow, that's got a lot of metal. And you say, no, that's normal for this unit. This unit just produces metal. That's right. I mean, it's But just, somebody else might try to sell them a transmission. And they may not legitimately know. That's like right. you said, it looks like a lot of debris. But this one just does that. It does that, and it, it doesn't seem to affect them. Right. Now, the next one, just a very small amount of metal, means an impending failure. That's right. Because these particular units do not produce metal so the amount of metal that you see in it is a definite concern that's right and that's where trusting your shop and in your shop knowing what they're looking at is going to give you the best results that's right you're going to you're going to see a problem that does exist and you're not going to be led astray by a problem that doesn't exist that's right we're going back to our phone line with todd good morning todd hey good morning how you boys doing doing great very good good i got a 2004 duramax diesel okay and man, I ain't my heater is not working. Okay, I was just wondering if y'all knew a few things. Oh, number of things. Yes, sir. I tell you, the first thing you want to do, Todd, is yes. go out. You know, the two hoses, one going in, one going out. Go out and touch both those hoses, and yes, sir. they should both be too hot to keep your hand on, and they should both be roughly the same temperature. Okay, let's say one is hot and the other is not. then most likely what you're going to have is some kind of restriction in the system. And I don't think that one has a control valve. It uses a a blend door instead. So you may have a plugged-up heater core. We have seen that on a number of those. Sometimes you can blow it out. Sometimes you have to end up replacing the core. But that's one fairly common thing. Now, another common thing, if you've had the vehicle serviced recently and they took the engine cover off, I've seen them take that cover and put it back down in the wrong position, pinch one of the hoses off. And you won't get any flow through there. Now, if you touch one hose, it'll be cold. The other will be hot as far as you can see it. So that's the very first thing. Let's say neither hose is hot. Then you need to look at maybe your engine thermostat because the thermostat could be not letting the engine get to enough temperature 
said diesel doesn't really produce a lot of heat and it definitely needs those thermostats to cut it back to right. make it because that, that diesel will run all day and never get to 140 degrees uh, you're, so you're right That's yeah they just don't they, don't they don't make much heat so you've <laughs> no, got to have a good thermostat in there that's another thing now let's say both hoses are equally hot and you still got no heat inside the truck yes, now you're most likely going to be into something under the dash like a blend door or a blend door actuator and on that particular vehicle the blend doors don't give much problem but the actuators give quite a bit and the actuator is just a little motor there's two of them one left one right, right. that controls temperature the control head sends a pulse to it it's a zero to five volt signal two and a half volts is right in the middle zero volts moves it to one extent and five volts moves to another extent but if it doesn't get the right number of counts it won't open that door or let's say they're out of calibration they won't open the doors so if that's the case then you have to go in and see why is the control head not sending the signal is the signal getting out but the actuator is ignoring it is the blend door broken that sort of thing but the very simple test you need to run is just see if both holes are equally hot and that's going to tell you where to go from there all right. Well, just I mean, just worst case and best case scenario. You think price wise? I mean, what are you talking Man, about? There is absolutely no way to know. <laughs> no way to know. I yeah, it just I mean, most likely it's not going to be a major issue. I guess the worst case would be the the heater cores plugged yeah. up. And you got to pull the dash out to get it out. Oh, on wow. that one, it's kind of bad, but it's not as bad as a lot of them. It's about a six and a half hour job to pull a dash on that particular one. Okay. And the heater cores probably a couple hundred bucks plus the coolant and what have you. But sometimes we can actually blow those out. You just got to be, you got to know going in, this core is plugged up, which means there's going to be some corrosion. If I try to blow it out and the core ruptures, well, now we got to change it. It's non reversible. I can't stop and say, okay, well, I mean, I could hook the two hoses together and bypass the core and just wouldn't have any heat. Of course, you didn't have any heat before. But it's, it's sort of a, a no-backup type of thing if you try it. But a lot of times we'll do that and a big blob of sludge will come out and it'll start working fine. Uh, well, you just gotta watch. You don't want to put a lot of pressure on it because you will definitely rupture the core. You got to put just gentle pressure on it and kind of know how to do it. I got you. What was that website again? I heard y'all it's, give it a minute yeah, ago. It's Agco Auto. That's A G C O A U T O dot com. Stands for Altazan's Garage Company. AgcoAuto.com. And okay. just go in there and type in the word heater, and there's a whole article just on this one okay. topic. Well, no, I want to look up your store and all that. I, go. Guys, I really do appreciate your time, and y'all have a great show. I appreciate right, John, it. Thanks for calling, man. Yes, sir. Y'all have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you're part of the automotive, I would absolutely love to have you. And we've got Nell online. Good morning, Nell. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing great. I got a question. I have a 2004 Chevy Avalanche. Uh-huh. I had just replaced the motor about a year ago, but I haven't really driven it much, but I do start it to keep the battery charged. Yes, sir. But a few months ago, probably about a month or two after the motor was changed, I'm not keeping my batteries not staying charged. and Something's draining it, and I can't figure out what it is. Yeah, that can be real difficult to find, Neil. It just depends. A lot of times what you will have is what they call a parasitic draw. And you fairly handy, Neil? You know how to use a voltmeter, an amp yeah. meter? If you take a amp meter, a milliamp meter, and hook it between the negative terminal and the battery, and there's just connect thing with everything turned off in the truck and all the yeah. doors closed, just hook it there, you ought to have five hundredths of an amp or less. There's .05 or less. Okay. Now, when you first do it, it's going to be up much higher than that. Let it sit because it takes it maybe 15 minutes, sometimes up to an hour for everything to go to sleep. Okay. So let it sit there for maybe an hour. Go back and check it. You ought to have five hundredths or less. Let's say you got point one. Well, now something is staying on in the truck, which is going to kill the battery. The okay. only way to find that is to start pulling the fuses one at a time 
and see what happens. Now, sometimes when you pull a fuse, it's going to wake everything up, and you got to wait. So it can take a lot of physical time. It doesn't yeah. take much working time. But it can take an awful lot of physical time because each time you do something, you may have to wait an hour for everything to go back to sleep to test again. Some, okay, I got some, some of the common things we see, like the seat modules in those go bad, and when they do, it'll just keep that module awake, and it starts pinging the other computers, and that's one of the most common things we see on the avalanches. What about as the ignition switch? Would that keep? Yes, sir. Would that, yes, sir. Because I have had times where I've gotten in it and went to turn it, and nothing happens, and I do it a couple more times, and then all of a sudden it'll hit and start. But yeah, the ignition switch is a kind of problematic. That would be definitely the first thing I would check, because it, what it may be doing is keeping power on on a single lead, and that yeah. lead doesn't turn any lights on or anything, as you can see, but it's powering up a computer or something. And yeah. if one computer on that truck comes awake, see, there's probably 35 or 40 computers. It's going to start pinging the others, and it's waking them all up. So one okay. computer doesn't pull that much, but you get 35 of them awake, and it's going to draw a good bit. It's going to kill that battery. Okay, good. Thank you. Because I, I think that probably be the first thing I got. But I just want to check and make sure that maybe something when they change the engine out might have called something. Well, very well could have. It could be a ground wire off, or it could be some wires that got crossed somewhere. I mean, just so many okay. possibilities. Okay. I tell you another thing we've seen on them is a door latch switch goes bad. And what will happen is that if that door latch switch is bad, at night the wind kind of blows against the door, and it's not enough to set the alarm but it's enough to trip it and the system wakes up and it keeps turning the computers on and it'll run it down and it's the door latch uh, switches bad well now that you say that i've had it a couple times when i've opened the door, door stays the truck stays in the shed mm-hmm. but when i've opened the door the light wouldn't come on and all of a sudden then it would just come on yeah well there you go it could very well be I, I, we've run across, run across okay. that quite a bit Okay, I shall appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. He mentioned the ignition switch, and that's also something that causes a lot of transmission problems. That's right, particularly on the the older, well, like he was saying, the 04 Avalanche. Right. Ignition feeds the 12-volt common power supply of all the solenoids. Right, on the transmission. That's right. You may turn the switch on. It may start just fine. It looks like everything is working, but they might be 25 sets of contacts in that switch. If one of them doesn't make up, and that one is the one that goes to the transmission solenoids, transmission isn't going to shift. One leg of it, yeah. Right. And I have actually seen a transmission rebuilt for that reason. And this brings up a very good point. When your transmission malfunctions in any way, the absolute last thing you want to do in the world is to get on the phone and start calling on how much is a rebuilt transmission. People do that every day, all day long. I had a friend of mine call me. He said, man, I think my transmission is gone. I pulled codes, check engine lights on, and all the solenoids are – it's got a code for every solenoid in there. Right. It's got to be just completely tore up. Right. The no change ignition switch. Right. That's right. I, you know, I told him that over the phone. He's, he just – dead silence he's what are you talking about yeah i said all of those solenoids did not fail at one, not at one. exact time yeah so the one thing that feeds every one of those solenoids is the ignition switch so right and it could be also a ground could a, be a common ground could be off or cut or a rodent could have gotten there and chewed the wire across but i remember a transmission they took it somewhere to lowest bidder whoever gave them the best price they rebuilt the transmission and then still couldn't get shift and the guy just threw up his hand and said, I don't know what it is. So they ended up towing it over to the shop, and that's what we found was a ground wire was cut, replaced the ground wire. Now, I don't know that it really needed the transmission rebuild. It may or may not have, but that's sure what they got. So they ended up spending $3,000 to fix a $100 yeah, problem. Right. So the last thing in the world you want to do when you have any kind of shifting concern or any kind of thing, you I know you think it's a transmission, 
but very often that's actually the alternator going bad or it's a throttle position sensor or it's a map sensor or it's somebody's hooked a wire backwards or a rodent has chewed a wire in half or how about a brake switch a brake switch <laughs> can cause the transmission not to shift that, properly that's so right you want to bring it to someone who knows what they're doing, give them the symptoms, say what my car is doing is this, and let them diagnose the problem. Don't go in. Because if you start calling around for transmission, the guy who's going to sound the most plausible to you is the last guy in the world that you want to go to. Because he's going to be the guy who can take it right now, is free towing, free diagnosis, free everything. All he wants to do is get you in the door and spike the job. That's right. Which, you know, once he takes it apart, well, now no one else is going to want to work Get on it. Get it in. We'll take it out of the car and take it apart for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll, that's but then you're stuck. Absolute last guy that you want to do business with. That's right. So we're going to take another quick little break. Be right back with more. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me. Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our transmission guru, Mr. Josh Wilson, right here by my side today. Hey, between two of us, we can answer almost any questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. Of course, we'll hear any questions you might have and get you an answer, but we're particularly interested in automatic transmission questions. You that's, might that's have right. one answered. Trying to get everybody straight on our automatic transmission knowledge. There you go. <laughs> we were talking about transmission failures and some early warning signs. And, of course, if you learn to watch the tachometer in your car and the speedometer in your car and the relationship of them to each other, that will head off or, or will allow you to see pending transmission problems like shifting concerns. For instance, the RPM arising too much relative to the speed or so on and so forth. Now, a number of things can cause those kinds of concerns. That's right. Just like we were talking about, it could be different for every car. So really just being in tune with your car, knowing when it was supposed to shift, especially if you're getting these later model cars with the six and seven and eight speed transmissions. Mm -hmm. It's nothing if it has a problem to drop one of those gears. So you may just... It may shift one to, uh, first to second to fourth instead, and just third. drop third out if right. it's if it saw a problem there. Mm-hmm. Another good point that I wanted to make was many many vehicles now the late late model ones we are fixing with computer flashes right. that have been released from the manufacturer. Right. It just didn't get programmed perfectly for every possible. They couldn't foresee every possible situation, and maybe there's a little glitch in the software that allows some symptom to manifest. That's right. A whole whole lot of software updates may be available for your car, and not that you have to run out and try and get it 
flash updated. But if you do notice a shift concern, let's say, let's check bulletins. Let's see if there is a software fix right. for and this. That's what I was thinking. You, you never have to go back to a dealer for that. Almost any good shop is going to have the software and the equipment and the tooling and the information. Like at ACO, we keep all the factory scan tools for the cars we work on. So we can go in and update that for you. And that will correct a lot of problems. That's right. Now, another big indication of a transmission problem, one of the, one indication of a transmission problem is a check engine light. Because the check engine light watches a lot of things. If the transmission starts to slip, generally the check engine light is going to catch that pretty quick. Now, if you're driving your car, let's say you had a problem, you went and had it checked, and it was what you considered a minor problem, so you chose to ignore it. Let's say you had an EVAP solenoid going bad. You said, well, I'll fix it later. Now the light's on, and you're ignoring it. Well, let's say the transmission starts to slip or starts to boost the pressure excessively. It tries to tell you, but you're, you're ignoring the light. That's right. There's no separate light for that. Some of your instrument displays will tell you service transmission needed, but most cars will just use the check engine light. Right, it's like ignoring so the fire alarm. That's right. If it's already on, it's not going to set another light for another problem. And say many, many, almost all of the transmission codes will set the check engine light. I know we get a lot in, like your car, that have max shift adapt reached, mm-hmm. which means that there's been a slip occurring. The computer has been compensating for it. Right, so you but didn't see now, it. Right, and now it cannot raise pressure anymore. It's at its max parameters. So it's, it's warning you, hey, here's a pending problem. That's right. You need to take care of this before it leaves you stranded. So your check engine light is not your enemy. It's your buddy. It's your friend. It's looking out for you. And if you learn to respect it and take care of it, then it's going to save you a whole, whole lot of grief. That's right. So I tell you, boy, we have just about squandered another whole good hour. <laughs> I want to start winding it on up, tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. And if you listen to us on Stitcher or iTunes or Podbean or any of the other fine rebroadcast service, look on there and see if there's a way to give a written review. And if there is, give us a review. We sure appreciate it, particularly if you give us a five-star or a good review. If you got a bad one, just give us a call. <laughs> no, you know what you say anything about that? Call Elaine. That's right. Call Elaine. But if you give us a written review, that'll move us up in the rankings so that more people will listen to the show. And the more people listen to the show, the more we can do it because if nobody's listening, we just can't keep talking. That's right. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.